Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor. I'm Sam. And I'm Justin. You ready to get started? Let's send it! Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode 42. Uh, we got some hawk, hawk talk for you today. And um, going to be a really short episode. Russell Wilson's out at least a month, so the season's over. I don't disagree. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. We'll we'll actually we'll talk we'll talk about this team. Um, before we do, though, let me introduce my co-host here, Sam. Sam, how are you tonight? Uh, no, Justin tonight. By the way, um, he's he's got some prior obligations. Uh, he's got a big work event that he's preparing for, so he's kind of out of commission this week. But we look forward to touching base with him again next week after hopefully a couple of wins by our football teams, but we'll see how, we'll see how this upcoming weekend goes. Sam, how are you tonight? And what are you sipping on, sir? I'm good. I'm doing all right. I'm sipping on some Jack Daniels on the cube. It's a nice, you know, it's what I drink for breakfast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> my orange juice. It's my orange juice. It's a good start to the podcast when you know old Sam's rocking the jack. So it's true. Off to a, a good Either start. Either things are going really well or really bad. <laughs> That's, That's the, the whole case. thing. Is like you never really know. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it consistent. But I think we know. Yeah, you know, bum Justin can't join us, but he definitely left us some some solid golden nuggets. We'll make sure to throw in along the way on our episode notes sheet. So we'll make sure to get Justin's opinions spoken for on this on this episode. How about you, Connor? How are you doing? What are you sipping on? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Uh, It was weird not having any football teams play this last weekend because obviously the Hawks played Thursday night. Huskies had a bye week. It was just it was a it was a quiet weekend in the Frederick Fredrickson household. So um I think with the way that the football teams have played this year, it was probably a good thing for my sanity. <laughs> yeah. Um it was a it was a good time to kind of step away from from all of that and just kind of enjoy a, a relaxing weekend, get some things done around the house. So um, but yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just sipping on a Coors light right now, so nothing special. Um, but you know. Mountains are blue right now. Hopefully they stay blue throughout the episode, but um, I'm not looking forward to this. <laughs> feeling a little blue. I'm be feeling the segue blue. you're looking for. <laughs> I'm feeling blue. Thank you, Sam. God, I'm I'm so not on it tonight. <laughs> I'm like I'm so not on it. So hopefully that's the last time you have to recover for me, but it probably won't be. All right. I mentioned it already. Big injury, <laughs> about the biggest injury yeah. that you can have on this Seahawks team. Kind of the, it's almost the thing that we've taken for granted, you know, for the past decade is the health of Russell Wilson. And it's been one of his best attributes as he's stayed healthy and he's never missed a start. And that streak has finally come to, a, to an end. Uh, it is the Geno Smith show for the next at least few weeks. It sounds like Russell Wilson uh, in the game against the Rams uh, on a follow through to a deep, deep shot uh, down the field. He hit his finger against a helmet and ended up, uh, I think, tearing a tendon. I think they called it mouth 
finger, but like it was like a fracture and a torn tendon. It was yeah. kind of like they originally called it like a sprained finger, but there was all sorts of stuff that basically happened to the finger. And all I'll say right now is it didn't look right. That's um, pretty fucked up. <laughs> so nonetheless, he had surgery. Um, sounds like they found some stuff out about the finger as they did surgery. And that helped kind of diagnose with how long he's going to be out. Initial estimate is anywhere from four to eight weeks. Um, knowing Russell and the way that he takes rehab and recovery and just how hard he works and the way he takes care of his body. I have a feeling it will be more on the shorter term of that. If not, he'll probably try to, he'll probably try to force it even before then. Um, yeah. But my guess, the way that the schedule is lining up here, we got three games and then we got the bye week. I would look for him to come back after the bye week uh, would be my initial, initial guess um, with, with the timeline of Russell Wilson and his injury till then though, we got the Geno Smith show. And, um, if we're reviewing this, the 49ers and Rams games, I guess you have a full game with Russell Wilson and then about a half game with Russell Wilson and, um, Niners game. We end up winning. Uh, I wouldn't say that it was the cleanest of wins, but it never really is with these division games, especially against the Niners. Um, anything stand out to you in that, in that game, Sam, as you were kind of rewatching some of the tape in that game, um, anything that we can take forward that like, doesn't completely revolve around Russ. Cause the way that I saw that game, like Russ pulled some old school magic Russ shit yeah. towards the end of that game. And that's kind of why we won. Um, anything to, you know, lead us to think otherwise than other like did you see anything else other than just russ pulling some magic shit out of his ass um towards the end of that game that that won that game um honestly not a ton i think that was really just the reality of what happened yeah but if if i am looking at it and if you've listened to our recent husky podcast one of my biggest qualms with the dogs and the coaching staff is the lack of changes being made and so i guess one of the takeaways i had with the 49ers with against the 49ers is that we saw some adjustments be made yep. and mm -hmm. you know the results of those changes probably mixed reviews in in the early going but what i'm really alluding to is the defensive backfield most notably sydney jones who we acquired before the season just I think the week, week one leading into week one, he finally cracked the depth chart as your starting DB uh, replaced Trey flowers who, you know, speaking of which no yeah. longer with the team recently released today or yesterday, that whole story. Can we pause there for a second? That whole story yeah. was really weird because that was odd. The, the initial report came out, I think on Tuesday that uh, the Seahawks planned to release Trey yeah. flowers and the way that it was quoting, uh, the way it was quoted then was that Trey Flowers asked for a release because he was, it didn't seem like he was going to play at that point because Sidney Jones obviously took his spot. And then uh, Wednesday, uh, as we're recording this today, uh, Pete Carroll has a press conference and it was shortly after I think the, the move was actually official that they had released Trey Flowers. Um, and he said that it wasn't Trey that asked for a release. It was just time for a change. 
Yeah. Um, so that, that I just found that whole situation kind of awkward and weird. Maybe it was just bad reporting initially and or or I mean, otherwise, it's just Pete lying, which we've experienced before, too. Yeah. Um, so I I I could believe either, honestly. But I in anyway, it was just it was just interesting, I thought. So, yeah, no, the way it went down was bizarre. I probably chalk it up to the initial reports really leaning on the person that was talking at the time, which was likely Trey Flowers. He's probably sure. covering his own ass saying, oh, yeah, I asked Maybe. to be released. And then Pete Carroll, once it's made official, is able to, you know, speak his side of the story. But regardless, really odd interaction and, you know, business transaction there. But my takeaway from the 49ers game is, again, like mixed results on the adjustments we made. Mm -hmm. But like, at least we made an adjustment. And whether it's enough or not, like, we'll have a more spirited debate about the lack of attention that the front office and Pete Carroll and John Schneider gave to a glaring weakness of this team being the defensive backfield coming into the season. We knew it was a question mark and we didn't really do anything to address it. They're trying to piecemeal it together middle and, you know, in the early parts of the season, which is tough to do, but that, that stood out to me. We made the change. We were clamoring to, you know, give Sidney Jones a chance and, you know, so far, I, I think mixed results. I think he's definitely an upgrade from Trey Flowers from what I've seen, but mm-hmm. he also looks like someone that's trying to figure out the system and he's had yep. glaring mishaps in both games against the Niners and the Rams. But I think as he gets his feet wet in the system, I think he'll turn into a, a decent player for us. Long-term solution there. I, As a Husky fan, I would love it, but I think the jury's still out on that. And then I think the other wrinkle that we saw in the Niners game, again, in the defensive backfield that stood out to me was how we used Ryan Neal, mm-hmm. kind of our do-it-all utility defensive back, plays safety, he can drop down to the nickel. But we really used him as almost a linebacker in this game, specifically spying their tight ends. George Kittle obviously is, you know, one of the top in the, in the game right now at the position. And I thought that adjustment had really positive results. And I mm-hmm. thought he played an excellent game and we didn't see as much of that in the Rams game. But if we're talking about the, the performance against the Niners, I thought he was a really pleasant surprise in that role and something that I would like to see a bit more often moving forward. So outside of, you know, Russ, pulling plays out of his ass to score points. I think on the defensive side of the ball, it was nice to see a couple of adjustments being made in our pass coverage units. Yeah. You saw them play a lot more dime, which is six defensive backs. So you had Ryan Neal added to that, that defensive back group there. And Ryan Neal's a pretty good coverage player and probably one of the better coverage players on this team, uh, a team that's not great at covering um wide receivers so i i think that was a good move i'm i was confused at why they didn't deploy that strategy against the rams as well Mm -hmm. um they kind of went back to their their base defense uh which was a lot of nickel again but um i think dime puts them in such a i think it utilizes the players that they have a lot better 
because it allows Jamal Adams to basically be another linebacker. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where his game really thrives. We, I mean, we've said our piece about how Jamal Adams has played this year. And, it's and we're going to well. say some more. We'll say more, obviously. Uh, it's, it's not good. Um, he's obviously not playing well. I also don't think that they're putting him in great positions to succeed either if if they're having him cover guys 20 yards downfield it's not where jamal adams thrives um he needs to play close to the line of scrimmage and dime allows him to do that and um it also allows them to be able to blitz him more which we haven't seen very much so um obviously this is kind of off track and stuff we'll get back to the games but i just wanted to add on to to what your comments about Ryan Neal and what they were doing specifically on defense to employ Ryan Neal, which was a dime look on defense and how I think that that actually probably should be the base defense for the Seahawks this year. Um, I know that it really puts them at a disadvantage when it comes to running downs and like, like run defense. When, if, if you have that many defensive backs on the field, uh, but the run defense hasn't been that good either. So um, I would rather, I would rather put your best players on the field that are going to make plays than not basically is kind of where I'm at. So I agree. And I do think that it's a risk you take in the run game, but really the trade-off we're talking about is would you rather have Jamal Adams playing safety and Jordan Brooks playing linebacker or Jamal Adams more or less playing linebacker and Ryan Neal playing safety. Right. To your point, I think the latter puts our best players on the field and puts those players in a position where they're comfortable and more able to succeed. It's unfortunate that that's the way that it is, but I, I totally agree. I think that's a better lineup. I, Jordan Brooks, to me, you know, I went into the season hoping that we'd be able to see some development in his, in his game i think yeah. he's been totally targeted in pass coverage covering running backs and tight ends and has had a rough start to the season so i'm on the ryan neal train i have been ever since he came and filled in for us was it two years ago when mcdougall last got year. injured or was it last mm, year was this i think it was just year? last year when jamal got injured Okay. Well, either way, I like Ryan Neal a lot. I think he's yeah. a really good player. Um, so I like what he brings to the defense more than Jordan Brooks at the end of the day. And then you get the added bonus right of playing yeah. Jamal Adams in a position where he's comfortable, which if we're going to transition to that topic, we can. It's total bullshit that you pay. How much are we paying him? What is his contract? 17 and a half million a year. 70 yeah. millions over four years. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to, if you're going to pay that much money to someone, you don't need to scheme a defense to make them feel comfortable in in a place where they can succeed. If you're going to pay a safety that much, they better be able to cover, first of all, which he can't. Yep. And then they better be able to tackle, which he's had problems with. And then you get the added bonus of him being the best pass rush threat from the defensive backfield, you know, arguably in recent history of the NFL. And we're not even Palomalu. Yeah. And we're not even doing that. So yeah. that whole thing is a total shit show right now. And, and the last one's the easiest thing to fix. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Blitz him. Yeah. 
you use use the weapon that he is. He's a defensive weapon, as he self describes. So, just because you paid that. him doesn't mean he's Buddha Baker. No, he's definitely not. Completely different player. Plays the same position, but completely different player. All right. Well, um, sorry for the tangent there, but I just I thought that that it's was worthwhile. An, it was it was an important conversation, I think. So yeah. Um, end up end up pulling out a victory against the the hated Niners down in Santa Clara. So that was good. That was good. Uh, it gave us a little bit of I don't know, maybe a little bit of momentum going into the Rams game. And I think the Rams were coming off of a loss to the Cardinals um, going into Thursday yeah. night football. So both coming off short weeks, we're hosting the Rams. They didn't look that good against the Cardinals. Um, so maybe some room for optimism. Uh, we come out and we end up going up uh, seven to three at halftime. I think probably should have been more than that. Should have actually definitely been more than that. Um, missed field goal by Jason Myers at the end of the first half. And then um, multiple missed opportunities in that first half. We had a big holding call on Dwayne Brown. That was kind of a phantom holding call that took took a took back a touchdown to Tyler Lockett on that same drive that we ended up missing the field goal at the end of the first half um and then it was kind of a tale of two halves the second half the Rams just dominated us um really on both sides of the ball and uh Jamal Adams looked like shit <laughs> Russ got injured Geno Smith came in and actually kind of got the offense going the offense sucked after their after their uh, their first touchdown drive like even before Russ was injured he was not playing well like it was one of those games where Russ just doesn't play well um, and Gino came in kind of lit a spark under the offense looked like he might kind of lead somewhat of a comeback we got within one score and then the defense just couldn't make a make a stop towards the end for um, well I guess no actually no Gino did get the ball back and then ended up throwing the interception to kind of end the game. But it was like, I mean, there was what, just over two minutes left and no timeouts. Yeah. I think when they got when they got the ball back, which I mean, obviously possible, but with a quarterback like Geno Smith, who's not really like an explosive quarterback, not super likely that we were gonna actually win that game. But it was possible. Um, ends up first play, I think, throwing a pick, and then that was pretty much it. Which wasn't um, his fault. We should just no. talk about that for a minute because yeah. I think Tyler Lockett took a full on tried to flop EPL flop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, he does that sometimes too. I think he does that a little bit too much. Um, and a lot of the gets, times it works out yeah, and he, he gets, gets the call. call, but I'd rather him fight through that. Like you're and, still probably going to get the call if you fight through it. Yeah, he's going to catch the damn ball. The guy that picked it off was trailing him. Yeah. So he's probably going to catch it or get a call called PI. It just and looks weak if you, if you just fall yeah. like that, though. Yeah, especially at that point in the game. You, For sure. Like, Gino, he was throwing it to the open space. A wide receiver was going to be there. And I Tyler went down too easy and left his quarterback out to dry. So I think Gino played a hell of a game. Yeah. And put the team in position to come back and win it, which is, you know, I was going off in our text group. I was loving every minute of it. <laughs> um, so in a lot of ways, part of the reason I was even more upset at Tyler in that moment was 
I, I felt like Gino was really feeling the game well and moving the offense. Yep. And in some ways I feel like his decision to not fight through that very limited contact kind of cost an opportunity for Geno Smith to have a pretty damn cool story. Yeah. Of a game. I mean, the, I think the toughest position on a, a football team is backup quarterback, especially oh, yeah. if you're thrust into a game like that cold um, dude hadn't even played. I don't think in a, in an NFL game, at least in a couple years. So, I mean, he came in and to his credit, he was ready for the moment. So um, didn't end up, didn't end up in a win for the Seahawks or anything, but it did. He definitely did light a spark in that offense and that was good to see. And he gave it his all. So I, I don't think that just because Russ is out that the offense can't like function under Geno Smith. He's one of the better backup quarterbacks out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And he showed that against the Rams, but it will be interesting to see like what he looks like when it, obviously the game plan is going to be catered against him now for the Steelers rather than against Russ. So it's, it's when you're game planning for Russ and then you suddenly get Geno Smith in at quarterback, they're pretty different quarterbacks. Um, And I'll go into that a little bit later when we get to some of the keys to the game. Um, But uh, Geno is, is still a good quarterback though. And I think, I think that, he was a starter at one point in this league. I mean, there's a reason he's not a starter anymore, but he's definitely towards the upper half. I think, I think he would probably start on a few teams this year. If, if, yeah. if given the opportunity, I think he's I think better so. than a few starters out there. Um, de- definitely like bottom third of the league. If he was, if he was actually a starter, um, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about that. Probably bottom five, but probably good enough to to beat some teams out there if if the if the talent around him plays up to the level that they're capable of um anything else that you want to talk about with the the 49ers and rams games um any other takeaways that you had going forward i mean the the injury to russ i think was obviously the biggest thing to to touch on and kind of what that that means i will say that that's coming at about the best time that it could have schedule wise Mm -hmm. um with with us playing at the Steelers and then we got two home games against the Saints and the Jags and then we got a bye week. Yeah. So um probably need teams, probably need Russ back for that game for the in, Green Bay game. In yeah. Lambeau. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. Um I would say that that's that's a fair comment. But you know, I mean the 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 schedule lines up that if if he's back for that game, it gives him the four weeks that kind of is like on the on the low end of that timetable to recover and these are three somewhat winnable games with mm-hmm. with a backup quarterback just because the the opposition aren't aren't anything to write home about as far as major playoff contenders or anything like that um so it, it does come at a good time but nonetheless obviously you're you're losing your best player on the field it's not a good thing so yeah it does change change the dynamic of the season a little bit yeah, I agree. I think the one bit of context or or color rather to add to the Russell Wilson injury, just how, and you alluded to it right off the bat, how it's something we've taken for granted. It's Absolutely. a fairly historic injury here that we're talking about. He's started every single game since he came into the league. 
and he's got 149 consecutive regular season starts, which is the NFL's longest active streak by 68 games over Tom Brady. So he's consecutively started almost five full seasons more than the next player in the league. Yeah. So he's been extremely durable. Obviously this is an injury on the throwing hand. Like that's a tough pill to swallow. It's not really something that you can just tough out. I will say it was pretty impressive to like see his finger all jacked up like that. And for him to just kind of be like trying to straighten it out, trying to grip the football. Like he did. He went back in. <laughs> yeah. He threw I mean, a pass. Pretty incredible stuff. So it's a shame that his, you know, Iron Man streak is going to end. Yeah. Um, just figured it's worth calling out that to your point earlier, it is, has been something really special that the Seahawks have had and Russell Wilson being available as much as he has. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do agree with you. I think circling that Green Bay game is when I think he'll be back for all the reasons you had already mentioned in terms of his, you know, proven toughness, proven durability, his commitment to his body and recovery. I think he'll get, get right for the green Bay game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I have all the faith in the world that he's probably going to be back for that green Bay game. That's just where my mind's at. I not, I'm kind of refusing to think anything else. Yeah. Um, but you know, we sub out a top eight quarterback for a top three quarterback in Geno Smith. So I, I'm feeling okay. You betcha. <laughs> That's for you, Justin. That's for you. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this Steelers game. I, I guess Justin's note is on up here, but I feel like it has more to do with like just looking forward. Maybe we just say it now. Yeah, you've teased it. Go for it. <laughs> okay. Justin does have here just just building off of the the Rams game uh, and the frustration behind that. I know that there was a fourth down in there at some point that. Uh, Pete didn't end up going for it. He ended up punting the ball and it was a pretty, like it was like a fourth and three or something like that. I think in, in the Rams territory, like around, around midfield, but barely in Rams territory Um, ended up putting the ball. And to that, uh, Justin replies, embrace analytics. You old piece of shit, Pete Carroll. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, wow. Wow. I think the added context there that really got, I mean, nothing's going to fire Justin up like punting on a fourth and two, fourth and one, fourth and three. I remember him texting us, go for it. And then the punt team walks out there and he texts, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that sounds about, that sounds about like Justin. I'll tell you what. But uh, I think the other thing that just threw gasoline on the flames was Pete Carroll's press conference today. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Well, well, you can share it. You can share it. I, mean, I didn't listen to it, but I definitely heard the soundbite. Basically, yeah. I'll paraphrase, but Pete Carroll is talking about that exact fourth down decision to punt. And I mean, I guess you can respect him for the self-awareness. He basically said, yeah, all, the, all of the analytics tell you to go for it but sometimes analytics aren't always right. Basically says, but that doesn't always mean it's the right decision. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently two plus two doesn't equal four. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. 
and that's where your yeah and that's where your embrace analytics you old piece of shit pete carroll comment from justin really stems from i think if i'm reading into it yes like not only the decision in the game in the moment it was really also go into the press conference in the middle of the following week and be like yeah, I acknowledge that the analytics told me what I did was stupid, but it's not stupid because I said so. Because I did it. <laughs> yeah. And Michael Dixon's our best player, so. Well, right now he probably is. Yeah. That yeah. that double punt was real nice. That was incredible. <laughs> he was de- totally beyond the line of scrimmage, but my God, what a play. What a play. Oh, man. Michael Dixon, he's something special. He makes punting fun um that's hard to do folks it is hard to do especially for justin um (laughs) let's talk about this steelers game so the steelers are obviously kind of in their own little bit of a come to jesus in their own organization moment i think they're also two and three they have an aging quarterback in ben roethlisberger um who has been kind of on his last year for like the last three or four years (laughs) yeah i feel like he's he's running on some pretty pretty low tread tires at this point i think yeah um but uh nonetheless a a team that that the seahawks would consider a rival and most of that stems from super bowl 40 and the agonizing defeat um to the refs to the boys and stripes refs um and ben roethlisberger was also the quarterback for that game so fuck that guy Knock um, him out, kill the head, kill the body. Hey, Cliff Averill ended uh, Tony Romo's career. About to see Daryl Ta- Taylor and Ben Roethlisberger's career. That's my that's my prediction for Sunday. I don't wish if injuries. Taylor I don't plays. wish injuries. I'm if just Taylor plays. It. He should. Is he hurt? I saw him on the injury report with an ankle, like limited oh, no. participant. Oh no! So you might have to change oh, your prediction. Well, he's to like limited. Limited. He'll probably play if he's limited. He'll probably play. He probably it's Wednesday. Will. It's Wednesday. Let's see what. Let's see what happens Thursday, Friday. I mean, by the time this episode's out, he'll probably be out for the season. <laughs> Golly, <laughs> and, this and we'll episode's look like going downhill really fast. We'll look like idiots. Connor's just totally in in the trash can for this. I'm about to get shots of vodka out, and we're just gonna. You know what I'm gonna get out? I'm gonna get Akavid out. Then, then I'll say even, some real. I don't even know what that shit. is. It's a Scandinavian liqueur. Hmm. Well, as a Scandinavian brother to another Scandinavian brother, I might have to try some of that. Oh, dude! Next time you're over, I have a bottle. Yeah. Um my my mom's cousin left me a bottle two Christmases ago, and I have not had a sip since then. <laughs> it's usually like our thing at Christmas. We'll take a shot. Um. But obviously, COVID last year. So, yeah. Um, next time you're over, we'll do it. I have our monkey shoulder here too, so we can. Oh yeah, we can chase. We can chase it with that. Sounds good. <laughs> I'm All looking right. up the injury report. I just want to double check to see if he was. You're probably right. I didn't look at it, so. Yeah, he was limited. So you're he, he'll likely play. He'll probably play. He'll probably he'll, he'll at least be available. I mean, he hasn't played enough, in my opinion, even if he's been available. So, yeah, um, he looks really good. He's a good player. He's got four sacks in five games, right? Yeah, and you called it. I mean, back 
even our preview for the preseason, you were like, this guy is going to be a difference maker. So I, you got to, got to give props to you on that one. Well, and I, I mean, I can't take, I, I wasn't the only one saying that like, and yeah, but I there, mean, there wasn't the co- a lot of people saying it either. Yeah. the I mean, the coaching staff for sure was fired up about him and you look at his tape from Tennessee and you know, the, he, he was, he was drafted as a pass rush specialist. Yeah. And um, I mean, I think, I think them going away from KJ this off season lends you to believe that they had a lot of faith in what Daryl T- Taylor brought to the table. And I think for the most part, when he's been in there, he's shown it. I just don't think he's gotten the opportunities that I would have thought that he would have been able to have at this point in the year. So we'll see if that changes. All right. Back on track. This is going to go off the rails so quick again. <laughs> Sorry, folks. This episode's a shit show so far. They're probably getting a kick out of it, though, so it's fun. Uh, Steelers, two and three. Uh, Hawks lead the series 10 to nine. I don't know if that even includes that Super Bowl or not. I think this is regular season, but again, not a team that we play very often because it's an AFC opponent. Um, but the last two matchups that we've had have been like amazing games that the Hawks have pulled out. Uh, was it two years ago or was it last year that we played at Pittsburgh? I think it was two years ago that we ended up winning. It was like week two or something like that. It was early in yep. the season. 2019, 28 2019. to 26. Yeah. So that was a kind of a crazy game. Um, I remember like Carson fumbled it like once or twice that like after we were like had total control of the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then that happened and it wasn't it wasn't as easy of a victory as it should have been. That's funny. I'm looking at the the stat leaders and our leading rusher was Rashad Penny. So uh Carson got the old Dude, pine in 2019, treatment. he was legit in a few games. Like it like it was the Pittsburgh Philly game, game. The Philly game. Yep. Yep. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. <clears throat> and he's still hurt now. So um, and then the game before that was that crazy game in Seattle. It was like super high scoring. Doug Baldwin had like a really long touchdown, I think, to kind of seal the game towards the end. Um, you guys might remember that, might not, but it, it was a it was a tremendous game as well. So yeah, typically when we play the Steelers, 2015, yeah. 39 um, to 30. And so th- typically when we play the Steelers, it's 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 a fun game. So um hoping that's that's the case on on sunday and sunday night football prime time so uh, take that for what it's worth too you we're know, a good prime time team typically but we also usually have russell wilson and he's uh, good yeah time. that's true yeah he is but geno smith <laughs> trust me geno looked good man he did he i'm did on the geno comfortable all right if we look at the steelers team um i think there's some playmaker. There's there's some notable playmakers like on this team. They like even though they have struggled, they have talent kind of spread across the board on this team. Um, I think a lot of their struggles revolve around their offensive line not not being very good and the fact that Ben kind of has a noodle arm now. Um, but they have playmakers, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They have the talented rookie and Najee Harris. Um, they're not. They haven't really committed to him as far as running the ball and they haven't really been that successful of a running team so far but i think again you can amount that to the 
lack of talent on their offensive line. I don't think that there's been a lot of holes for Najee to run through. Um, and their wide receiver core, man. I mean, that's a, that's a talented wide receiver core. Fortunately, unfortunately, I guess, uh, because it's a season-ending injury and I never wish injuries, one of their star receivers, Juju Smith-Schuster, had a shoulder injury this last Sunday, and he is now out for the year. He just got surgery. Oh, dang, I didn't see that. Yeah, so I had him listed on here, but obviously he's out now. But they still have two super talented wide receivers in Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson, both young dudes with a lot of speed, a lot of good route running ability as well, good hands. Um, They're kind of the whole package. So they definitely have the weapons to uh, possibly exploit our weakness on defense, which is covering. It's just whether Ben can get the ball to them. Um, so th- those are, those are a few players that I'm watching on, on offense, but I think it's their defensive side of the ball that you really see some of their stars and their playmaking ability. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And just to add a little bit of context to the offense too, at least looking through how they have performed this season, it's a little bit interesting. I mean, you look at the roster, right. And you get all excited of, you know, all the name recognition, but behind yeah. Ben Roethlisberger, Najee Harris, Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, even a tight end, a little bit of a journeyman, Eric Ebron. Yeah. But their offense has not been good. No, it's been bad. At all. I mean, they're averaging 22 or they're averaging 18 points a game. They finally kind of broke out against Denver this last week. That's what makes yeah. me a little bit nervous about this game is that it 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 looked like they kind of found something against Denver. I don't think Denver's that good of a team, but yeah. they definitely they got the wide receivers a lot more involved in that. Claypool had a really good game. Deontay Johnson had a really good game. Yeah. So they're capable of putting up some points. Najee Harris, I think, had his best game as a pro. So um they have capable players on offense. It's just they haven't really put it together so far until that Denver game. Yeah. And I just provide the context really for one reason. And if it's the Steelers find success against us on offense against our defense, that's a, that's pretty damning in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll keep will an eye say, out for that. I will say that the, the Steelers did beat the bills week one and the bills look like super bowl favorites at this point in the year. Yeah. I mean, you take week one for, what it is like it's week one a lot of teams i mean the seahawks looked like a super bowl favorite at that point right after their win against the colts on the road yeah and they've looked like shit since so and it's it's the nfl it is yep anybody can beat anybody so it'll be interesting to see how that offense looks again like i said a lot of name recognition a lot of players that you're gonna see that are familiar faces and you know, haven't really gotten the engine up and running quite yet this year. Right. They have a pretty good chance to get some momentum going against our defense. Here you go, Steelers. So we'll be. You want 10 yard cushions? Does that work for you? Yeah. Ben Roth. 15 yards? Can you 15, do that? 15 yards. Can I get any takers? 15 yards? 20 yards. <laughs> going 20 once. yards. You want 20 yards? Of going twice. Cushion? Sold to the new Sold for quarterback. Sold for 50 yards of cushion. Whatever you want, Ben. Yeah, whatever you need. Um, but yeah, like you said, flipping over to the defensive side of the ball. I mean, when you think about the Steelers and their run of success in recent history, it's really been on the backs of pretty damn solid defense. You think of 
James Harrison, Troy Polamalu, you know, Ryan Frazier before he got his devastating yeah. injury. And, you know, I forget, was it Casey Hayward, really underrated interior defensive lineman. And they've got some studs on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, starts and stops with TJ Watt. He's a total menace at that outside linebacker defensive end position. He's got five sacks on the season already. And he's going to hit Geno. It's not a matter of if, but when and how We got to hope that Geno doesn't get tossed around like he did in the preseason against the Raiders. Yeah. Do you remember that might, hit? Yeah. He got <laughs> smacked. <laughs> Dude, Blake Bortles might end up in this game. Yep. And he joined the team this week. Did, I mean, is he? I don't know if he, I don't know if we actually signed him. I know we worked him out. Yeah, I don't think we have signed him yet. But I don't know who is our backup quarterback. Is it Magoo? Uh, I think it's Luton, isn't it? Luton. Oh yeah, it's Luton. You're right. Might see some Oregon State. Hey, Sapardo. Yeah. He'd be fired up about that. He would be. <laughs> I don't think it would end um, well for the Hawks, but no, that would be that would be really bad. So, yeah, you got TJ Watt to look out for. He's definitely going to get at least one sack in this game, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Their leading tackler right now is their safety, Minka Fitzpatrick. Like we said in our Husky podcast, not a great indicator of a strong defense when you have a DB leading your team in tackles. But he's a hell of a player um, all around. Good coverage, good tackle guy. So got to keep an eye out for him. Rome in the middle of the field. And then they've got a real up-and-comer at linebacker as well, Devin Bush. He's already had an impact both at, you know, your traditional linebacker position in terms of really roaming the, the heart of that defense. But he's also shown some flashes in pass rushing situations as well. He's got two sacks, and he's been able to force a fumble just kind of a playmaker at that linebacker position. So someone else to, to keep an eye out for sure. They've got a couple of names that haven't produced a whole lot this season yet, but another outside linebacker, Melvin Ingram, the third is someone that mm-hmm. can get after the quarterback proven player in the league. Shit case Cameron Hayward. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah. He's still playing. He's still there. I didn't know. How old is he? He's pretty old. He's like mid thirties. I think. 32? What? <laughs> yeah. Man. He's been there forever. I know. I wonder if when I'm was he drafted? somebody else. Uh, 2011. First rounder. All right. I think I mean, of, that's... Was, there, was there another D lineman for them named Casey Hampton? That's who I was thinking of. Casey Hampton. Really? Oh, yeah, okay. nicknamed Big Snack. That's okay. who I was thinking of. He was there for, for their Super Bowl teams, five-time Pro Bowler. Are you talking about Super Bowl 40? Yeah, I am, unfortunately, talking about uh, that. Okay. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of. But Cameron Hayward is a hell of a player as well. They wear the same number? No, 97, 97 right? and 90. Yeah. yeah. Casey Hampton was 98. Anyways, I was getting all twisted up, but both really good interior defenders. So yeah, someone to keep an eye out as well as Cameron Hayward. 
not Casey Hampton. <laughs> you combine the two, though. It's that's. I mean, you you got there. We got there. Yeah. All right. If we're turning our attention back to the Hawks here, who helps us if we're going to be trying to win this game on Sunday? Well, of course we're going to be trying. Wow, not with it today. Um, if we're going to win this game on Sunday, who are you looking at? as an impact player that helps helps that happen. I don't really know what's going on with the chronic neck injury with Chris Carson. Yeah. But what's the injury report say is I'm sure he's still like, yeah, he did not participate. Did not participate with neck. Yeah. So that's what I'm keeping an eye on with Geno Smith. Like his best friend is going to be a solid running game with Chris Carson. We haven't really fed him much, but He's had success this year when he has been healthy and running the ball. Russ might not start another game because Pete's about to do what he wants to do on offense, which <laughs> yeah. is run the goddamn ball. And you know, Gino's going to be like, yes, sir. <laughs> I will do that. So, Justin's going to be so bad. <laughs> like, three or four weeks. Oh, my God. Yeah, but I'm really looking at that running back position and getting the running game rolling, whether it's Chris Carson. Alex Collins has had a great, you know, victory lap with the Seahawks in his second Mm -hmm. stint with the team. He's looked – I mean, I think he's provided a really good punch to the running back rotation. So I'd be looking for those two to establish some control of the game from an offensive standpoint control possessions, control the time of the clock, all the old traditional guard of football stuff that Justin hates with a passion. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, the, the run game is going to be the easiest way for Gino to be successful. He's not a drop back 40, 50 times a, a game type of quarterback. Neither is Russ really either, yeah. but um but I think even more so with a backup quarterback in there, you're going to be relying upon that run game to produce produce for the offense. That being said, though, uh, Gino's a capable quarterback, and he knows how to put it in playmakers' hands. There was a throw uh, in that game against the Rams on the touchdown drive, that long touchdown drive. We didn't mention that. That was a 98-yard touchdown drive I that know. he led. Coming off like, the that bench. Was, that was an amazing, amazing drive. Uh, coming out cold uh, for a backup quarterback. Anyway, on that drive, he throws a slant to DK that I don't think Russ throws that ball. And uh, DK ends up catching the ball. He's like one-on-one, makes like two guys miss. He had like like two jukes, like nasty jukes, broke to yeah. the outside and had like a 20-yard gain. And those are the type of plays that this wide receiver core can make. Like you have these types of playmakers, especially when it's DK, like DK needs the fucking ball eight times minimum every goddamn game, every game inexcusable to not do that. You need to find a way to get him the ball. So even when Russ gets back, like he needs to be checking plays to DK, let that guy eat because that dude is a game changer. And this offense has not sustained drives well. And I think that that is a key for this offense to really be able to uh, produce at the maximum output that it's, that it's capable of doing. Yeah. And I think that's with DK. It's like, we need to let him 
physically dominate the game and not Which just be can. yeah <laughs> and it's like we don't need to be using him like he's this short skinny john ross deep threat i mean mm-hmm. he's he's all of that and more he can do that yeah and he can do that but i would we need to have a dk dominated game where he's got like 15 receptions yeah some of them over the top but really just like imposing his will on the middle of the field and i love tyler lockett like don't get me wrong like that dude that dude is what allows dk to possibly eat on the other side yeah but like dk needs to be a bigger part of this offense than he has been so far this year and geno smith i think knows that so i i mean the way the way that he acted at least on that drive he knows that he knows that that dude can get him yards so i would look for geno smith obviously like quarterback the backup quarterback and more uh, specifically him throwing to dk and when he throws to dk and he might force it like one time too many there might be a pick there at some point but more often than not if you're throwing to dk i think that's going to be a good thing yeah um if we switch over to the other side of the ball we mentioned both these guys names multiple times on this podcast um i don't know if you have anyone else to add but jamal adams how do they utilize him? He's got to play better, dude. Like one, he's got to play better, right? He's just got to be a better football player for this team. The amount that we're paying him, uh, the role that he has on this defense, the leadership role that he has on this defense. Like he needs to, he needs to fucking buck up or shut up. How many sacks does he have this year? That'd be a big fat goose egg. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be zero. Yeah. Uh, So it'd be nice to get him one if not a couple sacks at least a few quarterback pressures like he's a good blitzer like use him to do that because he's not doing anything else on the field right now yeah um that's impactful at least uh use him use him to cause havoc in the backfield and force some turnovers because that's that's what you paid him to do and if you paid him to cover he's not doing that so get get him get him in the area that he was comfortable last year, at least, which was providing you with extra pass rush and getting in the backfield. On a related note, Daryl Taylor, I want to see him play more, assuming that he's healthy. I guess he's on the injury report, but it sounds like he's limited. So I still expect him to play at this point. Um, If he does play, I want to see him play like 60% of the snaps. And that might be asking a lot like that. I That's like quite a big jump from what he has been playing, but he has played well enough in those snaps for it to be worth it to put him out there that much. I think you're not getting a lot of pass rush from other places right now. And he, I think is your most consistent pass rush threat at this point. You would have thought that, that would have been Carlos Dunlap, but instead you'd rather drop him into coverage Um on weird downs so yeah you know that's a bad idea um anyone else that you want to shout on the defense that you're looking forward to watching or at least looking at to make an impact in this game not really i think those are the two big ones that i think can have a real positive impact on the game um i think as we mentioned off the top as we were highlighting some of the wrinkles we saw thrown at the 49ers in our game against them. How yep. does Sidney Jones look as he's kind of getting his feet on the ground with this new defensive system that he's learning? Is he able to take a step in the positive direction? What does Ryan Neal look like on this defense? What does his role look like in this game? Mm-hmm. So again, just kind of that same theme of 
our defensive backfield, our pass coverage is broken. Like, what are we going to do in this game to make a change to help address that issue? And how does that manifest itself in terms of results against the Steelers? So I think you hit the, the two key players that I'll be keying in on, Jamal Adams and Darrell Taylor, but also just keeping in mind, like, what's the personnel in our defensive backfield and how are we using them extends yeah. beyond Jamal Adams to someone like Ryan Neal in particular, but also how does Sidney Jones look? Sure. Sure. All right. Let's talk some keys to the game. How do we win? How do we win on Sunday night? Um, Steelers are a beatable team, even with oh, a backup yeah. quarterback. Um, and, you know, Pittsburgh isn't the easiest place to play. Um, especially like on, on, on a Sunday night, I'm sure they're going to be fired up for Sunday night football out there. There's going to be raising those God awful, terrible, terrible towels. towels. Um, a lot of yellow, a lot of black. Um, how do the blue and green come out on top, top on Sunday night? What are you looking at? I think you need to keep the offense on schedule. Let's run the design plays as they're designed. I think in some ways, this favors Geno's playing style. Mm -hmm. You kind of live and die by Russell Wilson being able to make shit happen out of nothing, but sometimes that can kill momentum or kill drives where he's trying to make too much happen. Geno's going to be, is likely going to be the kind of quarterback that's going to stay within his lane and his role within the team and the offensive game plan in particular. So I think he's going to really have to play a distributor role and whether that's handing the ball off to Chris Carson, Alex Collins, get the run game going, or to your point, I think is a really good one as well is get the ball out on time to your playmakers, DK Metcalf in particular, get Tyler Lockett some touches. Let's get our tight ends involved. We haven't seen too much from either of them. Honestly, Will Disley is starting to come on a little bit the last game, game and a half. But where's Gerald Everett in the passing game? Like, we haven't been showcasing him like I think we all thought we might when we signed him out of free agency. I know so, he was on, like, the COVID list. I think he's oh, back that's now. Right. He didn't I play think he, last I, game. I think, I think he's back now for this game, but I'm not positive because I'm pretty sure he's vaccinated. Yeah. So I think, I think he just needed to test negative twice. I think he almost actually made it back for the Rams game. But, like, some – like logistical error or something like that prevented yeah. him from actually playing. So he should be back, I believe for the Steelers game, but yes, it would be nice to see him utilized. Yeah. In, so in I passing game. Yeah. So to summarize again, I think offensively, let's just stick with the game plan, take what the defense gives us in the running game, the passing game, get the ball to your play, to your playmakers, most notably Chris Carson, if he's healthy, DK mm -hmm. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And let Gino operate in a safe space. Keep him upright. Don't let TJ Watt go off for a four sack game like he's capable of. Oh, God. And it, totally entirely possible that, that that happens on Sunday. Yep. Um, but offensively, I think that's the key. Let Gino put Gino in a position where he can be successful. Don't ask him to do too much and get the ball out of his hands on time to the playmakers on offense. Yeah, and I like your your uh, your thought about Geno being maybe a little bit better suited to keep the offense on schedule. Uh, and you alluded to it with with the playmaking ability of Russ. 
Gino for sure. Like you're not going to see as many explosive plays with Gino at quarterback. Right. Like that, that is for sure. The thing about Russ though, is he's such an off schedule quarterback. What makes Russ so great is all those off script plays. Gino's much more of a scripted quarterback. Like he's, he's about distributing to the ball where it's supposed to be, when it's supposed to be there. Getting a and, rhythm. Yep. In a rhythm, like timing that that's like the, that's Gino's game. Right. And that's not Russ's game at all. And it makes Russ great in some instances because he's able to make something out of nothing. But he also, that's what lends to all these three and outs and stuff sometimes, right? Like he tries to make something happen and then you get a big sack or something like that. And then your drive is just fucking stalled at that point. Yeah. So Gino is better suited to like keep off of those negative type plays and keep your offense on schedule. I think with someone with Shane Waldron's background, in offensive play design, I think that I think that I think Gino can operate in that type of system and operate well in that type of system if he's able to get the ball out on time, and especially if the pass protection is at least adequate. It doesn't have to be great, but it has to be good enough for him yeah. to get the ball out more often than not. And he'll have to throw the ball away. Obviously, like this is a this is a good pass rushing team with TJ Watt at, at the helm, and you need to make sure that you're you're keeping Gino clean. Um, if we switch over to the defensive side of the ball. <laughs> Where do we start with the defense? Um, yeah. First off, it, we've heard multiple players now talk about how they are confused about where they're supposed to be in this defense, what their role is on this defense. Like in, like in post-game press conferences, one of those was Trey Flowers, and he's now not on the team. So... <laughs> Maybe the coaching staff didn't really appreciate them talking about that, but there's no doubt that like there's good, there's good players on this defense. This scheme is not fucking working. Like it is too complicated. They don't know where they're supposed to be. They're not communicating. Well, you need to simplify all of that. You've had a long, not really a bye week but like you've had a long, long off week with the game on Thursday and now playing Sunday night. I really hope that they've focused in on that defense to just simplify the scheme a bit so that these players are at least just confident in their role in this defense. Like if they, if they don't have confidence in where they're supposed to be, how can they even play football at that point? Like, like football is all about instincts. Like you can't play with instincts if you're not confident with where you are. And that is going on in tenfolds, especially across the secondary as it pertains to this defense. Um, in coverage in general, though, the linebackers don't know where they're supposed to be either when they're dropping into coverage. So it, that needs to be fixed, and that needs to be fixed ASAP. And I think the easiest way to fix that is simplify it. That's easy for me to say. I don't know what that looks like on paper, but you need to just make things simpler so that these guys don't have to think so hard and they can just yeah. react to what's happening in front of them. Okay. So that's, that's, that's like schematics, like as far as just like what the defense needs to look like in order for them to be successful, they need to start forcing third and longs, which they have like more, more than anything, they need to force third downs. <laughs> they haven't forced would, a lot of third downs this year. That'd be a good start. So getting to third down would be important. Uh, third and like medium, at least would be great. Um, at least like a third and five and longer would be good because then you can at least like get your pass rushers, you know, kind of ears pinned back going at the quarterback. Um, 
because that's more of a passing down at that point. So it that's something that I'm looking at trying trying to get this defense and it again like we're talking about the offense staying on schedule get this defense on schedule with getting into like some of these third manageables on the defensive side of the ball um and being able to force some of these three and outs or at least force punts limit field goals like just limit scoring opportunities and you should be able to do that against ben roethlisberger he doesn't move that well anymore if you can get them into those third and medium third and longs if you get after him you're probably going to get some some sacks or at least some really bad throwaways he'll turn the ball over every once in a while too so maybe get a turnover or two that's important on the road um but overall the defense just needs to play a lot better i think it starts with the scheme and then it also it second to that is it's it's getting into third downs that are a little bit um more manageable for the defense to get off the field all right. Anything, uh, anything else that you had? I know that uh, Justin just had getting pressure on Big Ben. I kind of, kind of alluded to that, and that Big Ben sucks. Is what yeah. said here too. Um, which, yeah, at this stage of his career, he's definitely, not, definitely not at his has his peak, peak of his career. Yeah. Yet. So, um, he's definitely on in, in his winning years. I think he's, he's honestly like two years past retirement right now. Yeah. Um, not a great arm doesn't move that well he's always injured um so we'll see what happens but he's he's for sure a quarterback that we should be able to get our our hands on if if we can get some pressure all right predictions um i suppose we should like we did with the husky episode maybe we start with justin's prediction here yeah let's do it. all of us have all of us have pretty similar predictions here i will say um justin actually has the closest game here um, but that is the Steelers pulling out a three-point victory, 27 to 24. Um, I don't know any of his reasoning behind that, but I'm assuming he just isn't super high on what the Hawks bring to the field right now, and especially with a backup quarterback. So, And with an old piece of shit head coach. <laughs> That's probably honestly more it, actually. Yeah, His words, not mine. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Sam, how do you see this play? How, how do you see this game playing out? I think it's going to be ugly. Um, I think the Steelers are going to win and be in control for the majority of the game, ending up with the final score of Steelers 31, Seahawks 24. I just I don't see anything from our defense, and I don't think that they're going to be able to stop the Steelers. And unfortunately, without Russell Wilson – you know, I think our offense will work and I think we'll score some points, but I don't think that we're going to be able to hang with the offenses that we'll be facing, honestly, at this point. Yeah. Like, I, I think that there's, we highlighted some things to, you know, Gino can do well, highlight DK Metcalf. Like, we'll score points in the game for sure. But, with such a leaky defense, I think it's a lot to ask a backup quarterback to come and, and win a shootout. And, you know, 31-24, you know, isn't by any means a shootout. But I do think that it'll be towards the higher scoring end of things. And at the end of the day, the Steelers have more firepower on offense. And I think they'll have their way with our defense at, at the end of it. And we're going to just come up a driver too short. 
yeah, I see this being a pretty painful game. Um, I just, I, again, like you said, I don't have a lot of faith in the defense. Um, I also think that TJ Watt has a hell of a day and Gino yeah. probably turns it over a couple times yeah. and the Steelers end up coming out on top 27 to 17 pretty comfortable victory it's honestly probably even more comfortable than the score would indicate i don't think we're even really in this game from the beginning um that's just kind of where i'm at with the hawks right now man like until they show me otherwise that um that they're they're a team that we think could possibly make the playoffs (laughs) i'm not there right now and obviously russ being out for a few weeks doesn't help that at all um but I think I think Gino will I think Gino will will keep us you know somewhat competitive over the next few weeks. I think we get at least one win in the next three weeks, if not two. If we get two out of the next three, I don't think the season's over by any means. Right. Um, but I just I don't see I don't see it clicking in in this game against the Steelers. Yeah, hopefully I agree. hopefully things change when we get when we get back home against the uh, the Saints and the, and the Jaguars, who are also not very good teams. All right. Uh, any other? Th- oh, I guess we do have some things to touch on here. Um, football's been pre- depressing <laughs> this fall. Um, we'll it's just not say been that. good, Bob. It has not been great, Bob. Um, so we just wanted to give a quick shout out. Uh, first off, we haven't talked Mariners for a long time, and obviously they they just ended their season a couple weeks ago, um, one game out of the wild card. Yeah, and. Um, Actually, they ended up losing that. I think they ended up two games out, technically. Yeah. They lost. Ultimately, it came, we, we could control it. It came down to the last game. Yeah. It came down to the last game. Um, Which is and so, fucking awesome and hasn't yeah. happened in 20 years. Right. Um, so it was, it was awesome to see the, the, the Seattle community embrace and be around this baseball team rally around this baseball team in September. Um, we saw, you know, an electric atmosphere at Safeco field. Um, yeah, you bet (laughs) sold out, sold out, sold out, uh, for that, that whole last weekend against the angels. Um, we, we saw an atmosphere that we have not seen since, since 2001. And it's, it's really too bad that, players like Kyle Seeger, players like Felix Hernandez. Um, even when we had like Robinson Cano, Nelson Cruz, like it, some of these like really, really good players for the Mariners didn't end up tasting any of that really in a Mariners uniform. Kyle Seeger obviously did just, just this last, this last year, but kind of in a swan song, which by the way, credit the Mariners. I think that was a very classy send off. Yeah, the they did. Game. They did a good job. Um, got to take third base, had a standing ovation. They subbed him out. Um, that was a very emotional, emotional scene. But, um, you know, thank you, Kyle, for all your years of service in a Mariners uniform. Sorry, it didn't go better, <laughs> but we appreciate, yeah. appreciate your play. And you want to hear, you want to yeah. hear a wild stat? Yeah. But how many playoff appearances in a Seattle Mariners uniform combined do Ichiro Felix Hernandez and Kyle Seeger have. Uno. That's one. And that would be Ichiro's rookie season right. in 2001. That's embarrassing. 
nuts. Embarrassing, but this team. I'm just in like a negative head- mood. I don't know why I said that. Dude, this team looks <laughs> like they're heading in, in a very good direction. 2022 in and 2023, we should be playoff. You playoff saw you saw you, you saw the development of Kelnick happen in September. I mean, that dude was raking all month. Yeah. Cal Raleigh kind of sucked. Um, Mitch Haniger, if they keep him, they have to obviously man. a good player. Um, oh, uh, JP Crawford, my God, what a season for him! Like, yeah, and especially second half of the season. Um. Abraham Toro, I think, kind of had up and down season. Ty France, really solid first baseman for us now. I think Evan White's kind of out of the picture. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you got, I mean, this is all without Kyle Lewis. This is all without, I mean, you had, you didn't have James Paxton. I don't know what's going to go on there over the offseason. Right. Um, and then you got up and comers. I mean, I'm telling you, dude, when Julio Rodriguez suits <laughs> up in a Mariners uniform, that is the beginning of a decade of greatness right there. Like that dude oh. has superstar written all Can over. Can you him. imagine an outfield next year potentially of Haniger, Kellenick, and Rodriguez? Yeah. That that's is... not even counting Kyle Lewis. No. Kyle Lewis is a DH at that point. Yeah. Kyle Lewis and Mitch Haniger probably trade DH at that point. Yeah. That's insane. I like that. That's insane. like it a lot. Yeah. Um, and obviously this team has a lot of moves to make this offseason, and they have a lot of payroll <laughs> that they can make some moves. Um, yep. and all it's indications time. are, yeah, all indications are that uh Jerry DePoto has been given the green light to make some make some moves. We won't know until later this offseason, but the, Seattle might be a baseball t- town pretty soon here. And and you know, I mean it. It sucks because it means the football team probably sucks, but I mean, there, there is something magical about baseball in September and October um, in this city, and we haven't experienced it that many times, but when we have experienced it, it's been very, very special and very memorable. So I'm hoping that's the case over the next, next several years. Um, we got another team in town, too, that just had their debut. Might be a hockey town, baby. Might be a hockey town. Might be a hockey town. Your Seattle Kraken debuted against the Las Vegas Golden Knights Tuesday night uh, in in Vegas. Um, again, uh, in front of a like as EDM as of a crowd as I've ever seen. Um, my God, those guys party like crazy. They put on quite a show intense. in Vegas. Yeah. Um, that that arena is nuts. I want to go to a game there. I've decided after, after seeing that, just like, I just want to be in that atmosphere just for one game. I feel like that's, that's kind of like a once in a lifetime type thing. Um, but nonetheless, I, I mean, welcome to the NHL. You're thrust against one of the best teams in the NHL in one of the toughest arenas in the NHL. Yeah. And you got to give credit where credit's due end up losing four to three, but man, did we claw back into that game? Yeah. Down three, zero down three zero and you know it it looked like our backs were kind of against the wall honestly I had a really good start to the game i thought we were about to be up like within those first couple of minutes i don't know if yeah you saw highlights of the first couple of minutes of that game but it looked like we were about to score like in the first couple of minutes and then uh las vegas kind of kind of 
seize control at that point. But again, uh, Kraken battled back to tie the game three to three. Yeah, we had two goals in just over a minute in the second period, which was a fantastic switch of momentum. And like ugly goals too. Those first two goals were like, I mean, just like sloppy (laughs) goals, just like, you know, try they're try hard goals, right? They're, they're the goals that like that um, they're effort goals. I guess you're hacking around at the crease, getting a rebound. Right, exactly. And that, redirecting. I mean, get used to that shit because that's how this team's going to score a lot of goals. Like that. Yeah. That's the type of team that the Seattle Kraken are going to be. They're you can tell they're like a gritty team. Um, they totally take on that mentality. Dave Haxtell has been selling that since he's been the head coach. And that's um, how we drafted. I mean, we built this team yep. from the from the goaltender out. Yep, for sure. And our goaltender, Grubauer. Holy shit, dude. I mean, like, I think you can blame the second goal on him, but he was the one to keep us in that game. Like, uh, yeah, that he, I think he could had, have been like seven goals against yeah, him. Probably. I'm pretty sure he had 17 saves in the second period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's insane. He's earning his paycheck back there. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So it'll be interesting to see like what the rotation of him and 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 Drieger is. Um, but I mean Grubauer, I he's for sure one A. Like <laughs> oh is, yeah, that dude is good, and he's he's going to be here for a long time. So I I have faith in him being able to keep the net clean for the most most part. And we should um, mention our third goal was real spicy. That and yeah, as ugly as the first two goals were. <laughs> The third goal was so pretty. Morgan Geeky uh, from about, I don't know, 15 yards. I don't know what they do in that. Like, they do yards or meters. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it was quite that far, but it was probably like 10 yards. 10 yards, maybe. But, like, I mean, upper right echelon of of the netting in the goal, right past the goalkeeper just sliced it right right past him um not even a slap shot just a quick wrist shot like that yeah. was that was nice i and mean he took the breakaway down the yep. right side and tough angle i thought too. it was really cool I and mean, he was kind of baiting the defender who was skating backwards in front of him he was kind of looking towards center ice almost faking trying to pretend that there was somebody there that he could drop a cross to and nobody was there. And then out of nowhere with that wrist shot, just a freaking laser past yeah. the goalie. It was nice. It and was nice. Uh, he does his little twirl of his stick celebration and stares down the Vegas bench. And they got I pretty did. pissed off about that, I guess. They did. But I like I was looking at replays. I, I didn't see, see anything. It. I think they were making that shit up, dude. Like whatever it worked because they responded pretty quick and went up four three. They did, but they're a bunch of fucking pussies, dude. I hate. I already hate Vegas. I hate one Vegas, game dude. in. I hate Vegas. Go Kraken. Hate Go the crack. Knights. Fuck the Knights. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. That goal. That goal that they went up on. About as controversial as you can get, I think, in the in the the first first night of NHL NHL hockey 2021. Um, listen, I haven't watched a lot of hockey in my life. I'll be honest but I watch a lot of football, a lot of soccer. I know a fucking kick when I see one. That I mean, that was a kick. That was a kick. Yep. That was no deflection. Which, so the way that it's been explained to me is that, so you're allowed to angle your skate, right? To redirect the puck. Yes. You are not allowed to, you are not allowed to do any kind of kicking motion 
towards the net basically is is the sum of it so you can redirect it but not kick it um essentially what he did was uh redirect it off of the outside of his skate which i guess they are more lenient towards the outside of the skate versus the inside of the skate yeah and because it was the outside of the skate and he kind of had like i don't know a little bit of a thrust the toe was definitely up <laughs> i will say that yeah like the I toe mean, was definitely up he angled his skate he deflected it but there was definitely a forward motion with his yeah. skate yeah 100 um, percent. you can't deny that right so i the I guess this is a rule that's been kind of, um, I don't know. It's been like the, uh, what's like the equivalent in the NFL? Like the, I don't know, probably better would be targeting disqualification sure. NCAA. Yeah. 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 And it's like, like a yeah, hot I mean, button issue. Even like the, like, uh, the ability to review, um, like PI and stuff a couple years ago yeah. too. Like it, it's, it's kind of like that. Like it's, it's very discretionary call obviously. Um, but at the same time, like it, they need to make it more, um, more, more objective. Yeah, yeah. More clear cut about like what these refs are actually trying to rule. Um, because the fact that there's like a difference between the outside of the skate and the inside of the skate already leads you into like ambiguous trouble at that point. Yeah. So, um, I guess this is just what we're going to have to deal with, <laughs> with, with hockey now. Um, yeah. there's always something when it, when it comes to these sporting events and, and referees, um, the, the refs don't like Seattle. The refs, the refs have it out for us. They hate us cause they ain't us. They, they hate us because they ain't us. Yeah. I will I will leave the Kraken conversation at this. I want to hear from our listeners and our fans. Yeah. I, I have a particular Christmas Eve, Christmas Day tradition based off of the great movie film Christmas Vacation. Clark Griswold wears a Chicago Blackhawks jersey, sweater, whatever you want to call it. During the holidays, I try to do the same thing. I've been rocking an old school Minnesota moose jersey for a while. It's time for me to get one for the home team, the Kraken. I'm having a hard time deciding. My front runners right now, I love Jamie Big Rig Alexiak. Number 24 has a special place in my heart in Seattle. I love the nickname. He's a big bad boy, heaviest NHL player right now. So that's kind of my my favorite. I think a couple safer options, you know, first team captain in franchise history, Mark Giordano is an, is obvious, you know, can always stand by that and speak to that one. I think Yanni Gord is an option. So I don't know, hit Drew us Bauer. up. Drew Bauer is a good option. So hit us up. Let us know if you follow the league a bit more and, and know some more history behind the players that we got. Let me know the, the, the Jersey I should pick and uh, I'll report back when I've actually got it. If I was going favorite player, it'd definitely be Brandon Tanev from Tanev that first, is wild, first game. Man. Just just a fun player, man. Just a fun player. He just, just look at his roster picture. Yeah, dude. <laughs> looks like a serial takes, killer. Looks like a convict, dude. Yeah, it's awesome. It's amazing. Um, yeah, that dude's fun to watch. He he just plays hard, dude. He plays he he has one speed, and that's like 150%. So hair on fire. It's fun. It's fun to watch. I had so much fun watching that game, dude. I don't know about you, but like, oh yeah, I've watched hockey on TV and stuff before, and maybe it's just because I didn't really have like a vested interest interest or whatever in a team. But like, 
man, that was entertaining. I, I watched playoff hockey, I guess, and I get a little bit more into that. And like, especially yeah. when it comes to like Stanley Cup finals, that's always kind of exciting. But man, man, that was just, that was fun. That was I know fun. I'm pissed that all, most of their games are going to be on route. I need to figure I out know. how to get it. But yeah, I mean, anyone that knows me or if you've followed the podcast for a while, you can probably just, uh, the feelings relatively palpable. I'd imagine that football is what I live and die for. I love mm-hmm. football. It's my number one sport. Watching hockey in person is by far and away, NHL hockey, by far and yeah. away, the best in-person sporting event you can watch. I mean, it's Dude, unbelievable. I'll, I'll even like, even the, like, whenever we went to the tips game like that, I mean, that is more fun to me than going to like the Mariners game or like going to like, yeah. like even, eh, I, I don't know if a tips game is more fun than a Husky game. No, it's in not. some ways, in some ways though, like if we're in the end zone, like we were, our yeah. senior year or whatever like if you're a student like that's not a super enjoyable experience but um but nonetheless that's an electric atmosphere dude like no matter what when you're watching hockey especially when there's fans in the arena and it's just like it's just an electric atmosphere there's just nothing like it it's constant um, action the fastest constant game that you can watch and very fast and that ice is slick by the way it's pretty slippery yeah don't try to walk out there <laughs> you'll embarrass yourself we had a couple guys go down. I don't know if you caught this. Like a couple of guys go down in the game. Like they forgot that like they were on ice for a second. Like they just like suddenly were just like, whoa. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. Anyway. All right. Um, so this is officially your official uh, Kraken and Mariners podcast. Now that faces <laughs> are, 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 uh, you know, pride on football <laughs> but we're going to talk more hockey and uh, hockey and baseball if, if our football teams keep doing the the shit that they're doing on 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 these weekends yep probably let's hope for better things though let's hope for better things and you know it, this could be a completely different mood next week if we if both the huskies and the seahawks seahawks win this upcoming weekend it's a big game for both both teams yeah both i'd say two a, and three probably probably a bigger game for the huskies than it is the seahawks but yeah for sure um but like if both teams win i'll be feeling pretty good that's a good weekend i'll be feeling pretty good yeah i'll be feeling pretty good (laughs) but next game on the calendar tomorrow night thursday as we're recording this probably today or yesterday as you're listening to this um next cracking game against nashville so Tune into that if you can. I think it's on like NHL Network or Root probably. So however you can do that or illegally stream it, go for it. Tune into your local hockey team. It's a ton of fun. I think you won't um, regret it. Yeah, I think we're in we're in some, for some some fun times and some some fun games with with this hockey team. All right. Anything else you got? That's it. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. As always, we appreciate the support. Subscribe and follow if you haven't already. And leave us a message via the anchor link in our description. Until next time. Go Hawks. Go Nerves. And go Kraken.